welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Robert Zirk. My co-host Nolan Bicknell is on vacation this week. On today's show, the Gimli Film Festival is on this weekend. We'll speak to its senior programmer Aaron Zegers to find out what his top picks are for this year's festival. Then I'll speak with Craig Winslow, an artist and designer based in Portland, Oregon. This Saturday, July 29th, he'll be in Winnipeg, bringing signs from the Exchange District's past back to life as part of Painted in Light. Then Christy Nickel and Christine Ahrens of A Winnipeg Slice will join me to talk about some of the stories that they've been working on this week. And Citizen reporter Heather Emberley will join me in studio to tell us about some of the Winnipeg Fringe Festival shows that she's reviewed for Community News Commons. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. This weekend, I'd say, is one of my favorites of the year, with so many great festivals and special events going on. And to compliment this weekend... I've got a fantastic show lined up for you today. One event that I'm really looking forward to is called Painted in Light, and it's taking place in the Exchange District this Saturday, July 29th. And using a technique called projection mapping, it's going to bring some faded away building signage back to life. There's five signs in total uh, that this is being done for, and I had the chance to chat with Craig Winslow about some of the signs that he's bringing back, and how he makes this happen. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll talk about the Winnipeg Fringe Festival with citizen reporter Heather Emberley later on in the program, and the co-hosts of A Winnipeg Slice will also join me to talk about a couple of the stories that they've been working on this week, throw in some great music, and we've got ourselves a full show. It's going to be great. First up, get your popcorn ready. We've got Aaron Zeggers from the Gimli Film Festival joining me on the program. He is the senior programmer at the festival, and he'll tell us about all that the festival has to offer and share some of his highlights for films that you should see when you're there. But before we speak with Aaron, one of the films at this year's beach screenings at the Gimli Film Festival is Twister. So let's start the show off with The Beatles. Twist and Shout, right here on River City 360. Like a New York, like a New York, we're taking 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined via telephone by senior programmer of the Gimli Film Festival, Aaron Zegers. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Give us kind of a brief overview of the festival. How many films are screening over this weekend? Well, <laughs> uh, honestly, so many I've lost count at this point. Kind of, not really. I mean, there's uh, I think 134 films that are showing in our regular programming, and then there's also uh, a really uh, great. Uh, a uh, 48-hour film competition um, that the Winnipeg Film Group is doing that I think has another, I think, at, at least 20 films there. So it's uh, a lot a lot of stuff uh, as far as programming goes. It's a, it's a great venue for people to check out a lot of the local films that have been produced right here in Manitoba. Can you highlight a couple of the films that will be in this year's festival? For sure, yeah. One of the films that I programmed, I programmed this local uh, feature-length documentary films I programmed is called uh, Being Green. And it's a, it's a really, I think, earnest and uh, kind of transparent and open conversation that this uh, the, the Green family, a family of actors and performers in Winnipeg, has with each other about mental illness. And it's just done so tastefully. And, uh, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people out there have been touched by mental illness, probably most people. And it's just a really kind of transparent and open uh, and frank conversation about about that in, in a local setting as well. So that, that's a really interesting one. There's uh, We have uh, three uh, kind of brand new feature films and uh, narrative films. They're programmed by uh, my co-programmer, David Knight. There's uh, Menorca. It's a bit of a raunchy one about a soccer mom that flies the coop one day, can't handle it anymore, and kind of uh, goes on an adventure and some soul-searching. It's a great one in the beach atmosphere. They're on the beach a lot in the film. And then we have Lovesick, which is shot in the Exchange District, kind of like a romantic comedy, uh, all shot in Winnipeg's downtown, really a, a love letter to Winnipeg's Exchange District. And then we have, of course, Road of Iniquity, which is kind of like a indigenous gangster film, which is really, really interesting in playing uh, Saturday night at 8 p.m. One thing that always stood out for me uh, attending the Gimli Film Festival is some of the really interesting, thought-provoking documentaries that you don't really get a chance to see elsewhere, or at least not for a long time until well after the festival. I'm curious as to what documentaries have been scheduled for this year's lineup. Totally, yeah. And I mean, obviously, I love documentaries. That's what I'm uh, uh, primarily uh, programming this year. And uh, there's, you know, there's so much good, like, I'm so excited about the documentary film lineup that we have here. Uh, some really groundbreaking stuff that you, you honestly won't, won't see elsewhere, you know, like a lot of these films will never go on to, you know, Netflix or whatever. So uh, we're actually doing the Canadian premiere of the Grand Jury Prize winner from Sundance Film Festival in 2017. So this is the Canadian premiere of the top award-winning film at Sundance this past year. The first time it's played anywhere in Canada, it's called Dina. And it's this incredibly layered, really empathetic story about this kind of wacky woman that you just learn more and more about her life and realize that she really is, she's a survivor and she's just so endearing. And uh, it's just such a beautiful film that just uh, kind of just continually grows and surprises you and kind of astounds you. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to describe, but I would highly recommend That's my, definitely my number one pick uh, this year if people are coming in for the festival. Um, we also have uh, some great Canadian work. We have um, Limited to the Sky, which is a doc by the National Film Board about uh, Fort McMurray, uh, that ends in the, some of the wildfires that happened last uh, last summer, I guess it was. Really great film. It won one of the top awards at the uh, DOXA Documentary Film Festival in Vancouver. And uh, we also have uh, the director of A Better Man, also a National Film Board film, Tia Khan coming in to town to represent that film. And it's, it's really astounding. She basically stars in the film 
And in the film, it's a documentary about her sitting down with her ex, uh, kind of abusive boyfriend, and kind of really laying everything on the table and opening up for conversation on camera and uh, trying to heal throughout that process. The Gimli Film Festival is a lot more than just film screenings. There's also a whole bunch of events that go on revolving around film and that involve local filmmakers, both you know, some of the established players in the industry, but also some of the up-and-coming filmmakers. Tell us a little bit about the 48-hour film contest and some of the, um, some of the pitch competitions that take place. You know, I, I also work for the Winnipeg Underground Film Festival, and one, and and uh, there's also Windex Festival, and all of these film festivals. One of the most important things is kind of encouraging local filmmakers to make new work, right? So uh, at the Gimli Film Festival, we collaborated with the Winnipeg Film Group to do the 48-hour film competition. So it was about a month ago. All these filmmakers got, you know, signed up. They got a list of things they had to include in the film, and they had 48 hours to make a film. Uh, I think it's about three and a half minutes long each, and there's like 20, 25 films or something like that. Created exclusively in Manitoba by emerging, mostly emerging kind of mid-career uh, filmmakers. And I'm just so proud to be associated with something that, you know, is really spawning all this new work. There are some, you know, some small prizes, and uh, but mostly it's just about, you know, having fun and enjoying the work and, and seeing, seeing what people come up with based on this kind of set of rules, too. And the and the and the ten thousand dollar pitch, obviously, you know, RBC, a big sponsor, Gimli Film Fest, sponsors the beach. They award every year ten thousand uh, dollars through a pitch competition. So you know, slightly more competitive, ten thousand dollars on the line. But there's uh, five finalists, uh, all kind of emerging mid-career filmmakers in, you know, or emerging filmmakers in Winnipeg, and uh, they kind of basically do their best to convince a panel of judges that uh, their project is the best one and. Uh, and every year, some filmmaker gets ten grand to make a kind of a, a early short film for them. And uh, and then every year, every following year, we screen the last year's winners' film, right? And of course, the Gimli Film Festival is really well known for a screening that has a very unique element. You have the eleven-foot screen out in the water, and people are watching movies out on the beach. Tell us a little bit about that and what people can expect to see at those screenings. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the it's one of the staples of the Gimli Film Festival. It's what a lot of people come for just exclusively, right? And yeah, so you can just come on down to Gimli. The screenings happen 10 p.m. every night. On Friday night, if weather permits, we're going to do a midnight screening. If, if it's rainy on Friday night, we'll do that midnight screening on Saturday. And I'll just give you a quick rundown of the films we're going to be playing this year. On Wednesday night, the festival starts with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Of course, the Wes Anderson adaptation of the Fantastic Road Doll story. Thursday night is American Graffiti. Friday night is Twister, uh, followed by the Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And then Saturday is Footloose, classic Kevin Bacon film. And then Sunday, we wrap it all up with the, one of my favorite uh, kids' movies of all time, for sure, uh, The NeverEnding Story. Awesome. So uh, definitely something that you could bring, bring the family out for as well. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the idea of, of, of the beach films. And I mean, if you're not interested in the beach films, which uh, is totally fine, there's so much stuff playing up until 10 p.m. There's still films playing in the indoor theaters. So if you don't, if you don't think you want to go see Footloose or whatever, there's some amazing work playing indoors uh, at 10 p.m. every night. Excellent. So if any of our listeners are interested in checking out the films at the Gimli Film Festival or taking in some of the other events that are part of the festival, mm-hmm. where can they go to get more information? Well, there's two ways. Uh, you can uh, download the app, which actually works really, really well, I think. I would totally recommend it if you're planning to come up for a day and want to see a couple films. Just Gimli Film Fest app. Uh, you can download for your smartphones, or you can check us out online, www.gimlifilm.com. 
And if you go there under the Films tab, you can kind of see the films either alphabetically or by chronology, by uh, the order of the schedule. And there's also, you know, if you want some programmer tips, under the Films tab, there's a drop-down menu that says Programmer's Picks, and uh, that's where you can see some of my favorite films of the festival and some of David Knight's favorite films of the festival, uh, and it should, should be helpful. Perfect. Definitely a lot of ways to find some favorite classics, but also discover something new. Mm-hmm. I should also mention that, uh, that if you are in Gimli and you just come down, just go head over to the box office. It's 41 Center Street. It's just in the little mall uh, right at 41 uh, Center Street there. You'll find this. There's a lot of signage and stuff. Yeah, and you can just go there in person and have the people at the box office print you off tickets as well if you don't feel like having to deal with uh, ordering stuff online. So again, the Gimli Film Festival runs from July 26th to the 30th, and the mm-hmm. website is GimliFilm.com. Aaron Zegers, the Senior Programmer at the Gimli Film Festival, thank you again so much for joining me today and sharing your picks for the Gimli course, Film yeah. Festival this My year. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you again to Aaron Zegers for speaking with me today. And again, if you'd like more information about the Gimli Film Festival, which runs through July 30th, you can find information at the box office at 41 Center Street at the Lighthouse Mall in Gimli, or you can get all the information online at GimliFilm.com. Coming up after the break, you see them all throughout downtown Winnipeg, painted on signs for businesses and products of years past that are still there to some degree, but have in large part faded away. Our next guest is going to bring those signs back for one night only. Craig Winslow, artist and designer based out of Portland, Oregon, joins me via telephone to talk about Painted in Light, which is happening in the Exchange District this Saturday evening. But first, seeing as how we're talking about signs, here's Petula Clark with It's a Sign of the Times, right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined via telephone by Craig Winslow. He is an artist and designer based in Portland, Oregon, and uh, he's going to be in the city for a very cool event happening this Saturday, July 29th, called Painted in Light. Craig, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Robert. Thank you so much. Painted in Light is part of your installation called Light Capsules. Tell us a little bit about the project and how it came about and how you're bringing this to Winnipeg. Absolutely. Um, wow, I guess it's almost two years ago now, um, but I did a, uh, an impulsive trip, uh, kind of a Kickstarter project. I drove across, uh, drove across the country from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon, and uh, I was doing all these projection mapping installations. A lot of the design work I do tends to be this projection mapping, like I'll, I'll project content into physical spaces and on physical 3D objects. During that road trip, I was in Omaha, Nebraska, and saw one of these old ads um, that was black and white. It was pretty crisp, but wasn't as worn and nice. (laughs) I like the worn ones more. But I saw this ad, and I I pretty impulsively just projected, you know, brought it back to life and didn't think much of it. And then the next few weeks went by, and I I couldn't stop seeing these these ghost signs, these worn ads. Um, And it kind of sparked this idea to do this kind of larger project called Light Capsules, and I was planning it for like a year and just didn't know how to bring it to life until I had heard about this Adobe Creative Residency two days before the deadline, actually, and pulled everything I was working on together um, and uh, got the residency. And for the past year, I just ended that residency. So for the past year, I've been um, traveling all over the United States and in the UK, um, bringing these old signs back to life through projection mapping. And now I'm coming to Winnipeg. It's my first big series uh, post-Creative Residency. I want to talk about that and, and what the process is like in recreating these signs. How do you go from, you know, seeing an image and deciding that you're going to recreate it all the way to getting it actually out there and projected onto the side of a building? Yeah, yeah. There's, um, it's, it's amazing. There's so many really good candidates for these. Some of them are more simple than others. I, I tend to like ones that are uh, technically they're called a palimpsest, which is a very kind of strange word for it, but it's any of these that have multiple layers to them. They kind of look like a double exposed photograph. You can sort of see details of one ad, but you can also see hints of another. Um, Those are my favorite because when I go to recreate them, I can actually highlight uh, a previous layer of time and just reveal, you know, one, one layer at a time. There's some animation that goes between them. I've actually like toned down the animation just because there's so much kind of happening at the moment that I, um, I try not to go like overboard with the animation part of it. But there's a ton of research involved. We've found some amazing historical photographs for the series we're doing in Winnipeg this weekend. Actually, there's a really great uh, example of one for the Stobart, Stobart Sons & Co. There's a historical photo uh, that we found for Barber Ellis Envelope Manufacturers. I saw hints of it while I was staring at this, you know, sign and couldn't resolve the whole piece of it because it is so, so worn. Um, but using that historical reference, I was able to actually recreate it. And um, all these I'm recreating in Illustrator, so I have these as like very clean vector um, versions that can be, you know, scaled up and, and just wanting to make sure they're as crisp as possible and, uh, and bring them back to life like exactly or as precisely as I can uh, recreate them. Definitely a lot of work involved. As I was reading online, it, you know, you're using multiple creative software programs to really bring everything to life. Yeah, there's definitely like, I mean, my workflow goes from just even Photoshop to stitch things together. I've actually been looking at a few other like stitching programs that look at, you know, like a, a panorama. Um, actually, some of the software used in um, sort of 360 video and 360 imagery kind of stitching um, because 
how how I tend to want to do this is like get as high resolution imagery as possible to then be able to zoom into these signs. And a lot of the times these signs are, you know, really high up on a building or in a really tough spot. So there, there ends to be this like warping and then I, uh, I, I flatten them out and then I bring them into Illustrator. Um, I use After Effects to animate um, and then Mad Mapper is what I've been using to projection map them. So there's a whole workflow. There's sometimes I jump in 3D and um, especially for this time, there's a, there's actually a really amazing, the ham, SX ham, the sign that is at 185 Vanatine Avenue. That cam, we actually have um, Matt Cohen, um, my sort of collaborator on this endeavor yeah. for Winnipeg. He has some packaging from that actual SX ham, um, as well as the uh, Goldex uh, glass shine window cleaner, or the, the oil, I think. But uh, I'm using the actual physical products that he has saved to then recreate these actual products in 3D and then have them kind of like appear on the ads themselves or kind of like come out of the ads a little bit just to show a 3D rotation of these actual products. Since oh, he that's them. super cool. So that'll be, that'll be really fun. And it's interesting because I've, I mean, I'm up to just about 30, 30 of these light capsules as I'm calling them sort of plays off time capsules with light. But this is, this is kind of nearing 30 and each time I try and add like a little bit more to something. So it's not just like, the same techniques over and over. This one's definitely going to be one of the most ambitious series just because we're doing five in one night. Um, logistically, that's very difficult just because we have projectors on different rooftops with different computers mapping different surfaces. And so there's a lot of logistics going around. We also are running against the clock because we're setting up during the day, but then as soon as the sun starts to set, we have to run and uh, you know, map all of these, make sure they're all looking good. And then uh, we have the kind of runtime going from 9 to 11 p.m. Um, as far as like dark hours that you can, you can see all these at once. So the tour starts out near King and Bannatine. And I guess how, how exactly does it work? So it takes people through the exchange to the five locations where the signs are being projection mapped. Is there sort of a guided tour component or can people just kind of walk around and see them at their own pace? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So it's, it's very, um, it's very free form. Um, all of these five signs are going to be lit up throughout that amount of time. So we have a suggested guide where you can essentially just start in uh, King and Bannatine. There's a old market square there um, facing south. You'll see the Stobart sign. Um, and our suggestion is sort of just to walk along Bannatine Avenue. Uh, at Main and Bannatine, you'll see the Robinson and Weber, Glashine and SX signs. Again, you can kind of like divert from this path and walk right up to these signs, wander around the district, finding them on your own if you want. But we kind of have this <clears throat> map passed out um, that eventually ends at 4th, um, and there's a rooftop reception at 4th looking on the rooftop but still beneath the Milady chocolate sign. That's sort of where we've uh, suggested people kind of do their walking tour, and they can leave and walk around and see whatever they want. Um, but there's no sort of like missing the showtime. It's sort of once they're on, they're going to just be on and sort of changing and animating um, and sort of idling and looping. So it's, if you walk around the district at night, you're going to kind of look and see walls uh, a little differently than they typically are. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people, when they pass by some of the signs where you can kind of make out what's there, but it's very faded, that there's a lot of curiosity involved. And it's yeah. kind of cool to get that story behind what's actually, what's being advertised there. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it has this very strong sense of place there's the, the project itself every every place I, I go to with this has its own sort of story and its own local history to it which is I think the most satisfying part in fact actually someone uh, responded on Twitter saying they wish they could be there because they're 
their grandfather, um, Meyer Galpern, uh, that that was his old business and building was the Milady's Chocolates, apparently. So it's amazing to see these, like, to hear these specific personal stories that come out of these signs that are otherwise just kind of sitting there everywhere around us. Just, you know, they they, they have this history and this, this style and aesthetic and uh, interesting stories. And uh, I'm really looking forward to Saturday just to hang out with people on the roof and, and hear stories about like Milady chocolates and share what we've learned about the history of the signs that we've dug up. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really, uh, a really good one. If anyone is around Thursday today, <laughs> Thursday night, I'm going to be giving a more of a process behind the scenes talk at Force. That's also on the, the site there. But that's uh, if, if people want to kind of know more about the past signs I've done, um, I'll be doing a talk there and, and be able to share more of the process and, and kind of deeper dive behind the making of this project. So um, other than that, I think Saturday's the day. So come on out and check it out. Excellent. Definitely look forward to that. And it sounds like a like a really, really cool event and all the best with it. Thank you so much. Yeah, and we'll be documenting and sharing video and everything as well. So um, if, if people aren't in town, um, we'll have to catch up after and, and share some, some footage from it and see them back, back once again. So Painted in Light is happening on Saturday, July 29th from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., uh, you can find all of the locations. It starts out near King and Bannatine, but you can find all of the five locations over at paintedinlight.ca. Craig Winslow, the artist and designer behind Light Capsules, which is bringing these signs to life. Thank you again so much for joining me today and speaking with me about Painted in Light. Thank you so much, Robert. See you all Saturday. Thanks again to Craig Winslow for speaking with me today about Painted in Light. If you'd like to see some of his past works and learn more about how he creates these projections, he's hosting a discussion tonight, Thursday, July 27th at 8 p.m. at 4th, which is at 171 McDermott Avenue. And of course, Saturday, July 29th is Painted in Light from 9 to 11 p.m. And you can get all of the details online at paintedinlight.ca. Coming up after the break, Christy Nickel and Christine Ahrens, the co-hosts of A Winnipeg Slice, will join me in studio to talk about some of the interesting local stories that they've been working on this week. But first, here's Jack Jones with I'm Glad There Is You, right here on River City 360. In this world of ordinary people, extraordinary people, I'm glad there is you In this world Of overrated pleasures Of underrated treasures I'm glad there is you I live to I love to live with you beside me This role so new I'll muddle through with you to guide me In this world Where many, many play at love And 
and hardly any stay in love. I'm glad there is you. Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Christine Ahrens. She is one of the co-hosts of A Winnipeg Slice here on CJNU. Christine, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, thanks for having me. So today for your Winnipeg Slice piece, we're talking a little bit about mental health and misconceptions. Right. So um, if you caught my Winnipeg Slice from earlier this week, you heard a bit about an art show that featured artists who are dealing with different mental health issues. And so this actually really opened up my mind about uh, the different misconceptions that there are. So I had the opportunity to interview my cousin who's actually in the show. And up until I found out that he had schizophrenia, I would have never pictured just a typical great guy. Like it's not what you expect it to look like. He talks a little bit how being diagnosed and learning that he has schizophrenia was actually a really great thing for him. Sometimes it's, you don't even realize that you have a problem until you get an outside perspective. Because when you're mired in some form of mental illness, you're just so deep in it that it's uh, that's just your reality, and you think that you're normal. But to have somebody to like uh, like a psychiatrist in my case guide me through, but also let me take control um, and allow me to feel empowered. Realizing you deal with something like schizophrenia or depression, but then being able to like make plans and take steps like Artbeat, which I was very encouraged to do. It, it can actually be like a positive thing to realize. Well, that's very interesting. And it's uh, it's good to have that understanding. And that can be so helpful in, in many ways. So how does Artbeat Studio in particular tie into mental illness? So they put on the show a grand collection of imperfections and connections. And it's actually been going on for six months, allowing these artists to work on these art pieces, think about their diagnosis and just express themselves. Uh, it's very supportive group of people. And as heavy as a topic is, my cousin Nick, along with the rest of the artists, they made their art pieces not as heavy as you'd expect. For example, uh, Nick made a series of Power Ranger themed pieces that were combating mental illness and kind of brought some humor to it. I was a product of uh, that age in the early 90s when uh, these high adrenaline superheroes were around and they solved their problems through physical combat. And I thought that was just a, a really satisfying way to show a struggle but I realize it's also very campy and it's uh very over the top so uh and I, I like that about it um 
I thought it was kind of apropos to make something that usually we talk about in a somber kind of almost a hush-hush way and just turn it inside out and make it ridiculous, but uh, also make it a bit bittersweet. So it sounds like they've made a topic that, you know, sometimes can be really difficult to talk about and they've taken it and they've made it really accessible and and something easier to understand. Right, because sometimes it's hard to have that conversation with people and to just be looking at a piece of art and kind of get an idea of what that person's going through. It's very helpful, but beyond just the mental illness side of things, some of Nick's pieces looked at uh, a very universal topic, such as how people use technology like Game Boys or listening to music to protect themselves from the world. So he tells us more about this piece. This one ruminated in my mind for about... uh nine months or more. So uh, it's probably the most well thought out piece that I worked on. The piece is called Insulation. And it's about a person who insulates themselves from the traumas of the world through a barrier of technology. So they're able to keep themselves in a womb-like state without getting like jostled too much. And to keep the the world at bay with sort of a two-dimensional keeping everything on a screen. Sometimes you're protecting yourself, but sometimes you're also uh, limiting yourself to something really positive that could enter your life. You know, it's very relatable. I mean, we live in a time where whenever, you know, someone might be waiting for something or if they might feel uncomfortable, you know, they'll grab their cell phone and they'll be on their phone all the time. Exactly. Yeah. So it's something we're all guilty of. I know for myself, I'm doing it a lot and it's, uh, you have to make a conscious effort not to do that, right? So Uh, I just really recommend that people check out this exhibit. It's at Artbeat Studio on Albert. It's only up until Saturday, and there's just some really great talent in there. Um, They're all very interested in art, and you can tell that there's some some definitely great potential in there. Uh, Plus, you know that all these pieces has helped each of these artists better understand themselves, and they'll definitely help you understand as well a little more about mental illness. Excellent. So again, the exhibit is at Artbeat Studio on Albert Street, and be sure to check that out until Saturday this week. Christine, thank you again so much for joining me today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks, Christine. Coming up next, a Winnipeg Slice co-host, Christine Nickel, joins us to talk about her favorite story from this past week. But before we get to that, here is A Cool Shade of Blue by Henry Mancini, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Christy Nichol. She is a co-host of A Winnipeg Slice right here on CJNU. Christy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So this year's installment of the Winnipeg Fringe Festival wraps up at the end of this weekend, and I understand you spoke to a very devoted fan of the festival. Yes, she is the ultimate Fringe fan. She uh, plans her vacation around coming to Winnipeg from Ontario to see as many Fringe shows as she can. And this year, she is going for 60, which is an all-time high. 60 shows within that week that she's here. And uh, so that means she uh, has to go to about six a day, which is crazy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And uh, and not only that, she's got quite a twist in her story that might have uh, stopped her for the first time in 20 years. All right. So you had a really great conversation with her, and we'll run that right now. Here is Christy Nichol of A Winnipeg Slice right here on River City 360. This is Christy Nichol, and I'm excited to be talking about Fringe Fest today. I have a very special guest in studio with me who is the biggest fan of Fringe that I've ever heard of. Uh, Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) So you not only have been attending Fringe shows for over 20 years, but you've actually been traveling to Winnipeg to see them because you're not actually from here, right? No, I'm from Northwestern Ontario. And when I started coming, it was, you know, the first year. It's see what this thing is all about. Absolutely fell in love with the experience and made it an absolute priority every year. So this has become our vacation. I book uh, book dates as early as possible to make sure that I don't miss it. And, you know, we started uh, coming out in the beginning and then threw our kids in when they were old enough. And it's grown from there. My daughter and I, who's 28 now, have been going for the past uh, 10 years or so every year. And we love it. That's awesome. From what I kind of understand of your story, you kind of have this competition with yourself, trying to go to as many shows as possible each year. How many are you trying to attend this year? This year we're aiming for 60. Uh, last year we uh, last year was our high and that was 50 okay and uh, we decided that we would try to hit uh, so you're looking at about six a day um, plus you know it gives you a little bit of leeway but yeah 60 so you're aiming for about six a day usually I mean five is super easy mm-hmm. seven's push uh, six <laughs> is totally manageable Cool. You just have to fit in meals. So, so when you're looking at your schedule for the day, you're thinking about, okay, we can hit this one. When are we going to eat? So like food is fit in when like in between fringe shows. So the fringe yeah. show is the priority. Do you have a show that you're extra expe- uh, excited for this year? We used to chase mm-hmm. shows uh, looking for, you know, that five star sort of rating. And now we are just much more open to whatever is going to come up because you never know. Like, you you can read about it in the program, you can talk to the performers, but it doesn't reflect the experience that you know takes place in the theater. Like we've we've talked to people who we weren't that interested in, mm-hmm. and then gone to their show and been completely blown away, right, by the experience. And and that's what it's about. It's about going for an experience it's about being open to whatever's going to happen and the reality is if it's a unenjoyable show and some of them you know (laughs) unenjoyable uh if it's a show that's not really to your taste it doesn't matter because it's over in 60 minutes right and then you're on to the next one so everything's good yeah great you get a whole breadth of talent exactly yeah yes I mean you have everything from clowns you know to serious drama you have music you have dance you have mime it is 
a fantastic experience. Like if you're just out, you want to see comedies, you can do that, right? Mm -hmm. You want to go out with a group of friends, you can do that. You want something serious. Uh, we like to mix it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes in the middle of the afternoon, you'll start getting a little, a little dopey and tired. So you can either head to the planetarium for a snooze because you can hide that way, uh, <laughs> you know, or you can try for something that's a little higher energy or hit some caffeine. <laughs> Got it all planned yeah. out. You yeah. know all the tricks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, now, so you've been doing this for over 20 years, but something came up this year that could have jeopardized your ability to attend the festival. Can you talk about that? Yes. So I had everything planned out. I actually had my whole summer planned out with canoe trips and, of course, the fringe. And in um, May, I was diagnosed with breast cancer which was just a lovely surprise. Um, yeah, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, and that came uh, hot on the heels of uh, getting into a new relationship. So that was, uh, that was definitely a turn in that road. My road was fairly straight, and uh, everything kind of stopped at that point. So it was a round of biopsies. I actually went two months uh, with different biopsies, five separate biopsies, and ended mm -hmm. up very fortunately with a small uh, a small tumor. And uh, actually, I'm still waiting right now for results on whether the that spread uh, to mm -hmm. the lymph nodes. We met with the surgeon about a month ago. At that point, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make the fringe. Um, and we were very fortunate and able to schedule it in between. So... <laughs> So basically, we went with the surgeon, went on a, a six-day canoe trip, had another week to sort of prepare for a surgery, and that was uh, that was two weeks ago. So it's kind of a funny thing, you know, when you're diagnosed with something like breast cancer, because y you go through so many different stages, mm -hmm. right, in in your adjustment and acceptance of that. And at first, it just felt like everything stopped. Um, and slowly I started to focus on, well, what are the things that are important to me in my life? What things do I want to do? Uh, the fringe was definitely up there because it is so much a part of me. Mm -hmm. It's so much a part of the things in my life that are worthwhile and that make me excited, right? So, you know, I, I sort of hit a point where I said, I don't care if they had kept me waiting for, you know, two, three months for surgery, they can wait another few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to the fringe. That's great. Well, I congratulate you on a successful surgery already. Uh, wish you the best of luck in completing your 60 shows goal and, uh, and going into radiation when all the shows are done. Thanks for being here, Jacqueline. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Christy. To hear a Winnipeg Slice, tune in to 93.7 CJNU every Monday to Friday at both 8.38 a.m. and 5.38 p.m. That's right here on 93.7 CJNU every weekday. You can also hear a Winnipeg Slice online by visiting anchor.fm forward slash Winnipeg. Again, that's anchor.fm slash Winnipeg. Coming up after the break, CNC citizen reporter Heather Emberley joins me in studio to talk about some of the Winnipeg Fringe Festival shows that she's reviewed for Community News Commons. But before we get to that, here is Bill Withers with Lovely Day, right here on River City 360. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes, and something without warning, love, bears heavy on my mind, then I Joe. 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by CNC citizen reporter Heather Emberley. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You, along with uh, several other citizen reporters at Community News Commons, are reviewing different shows at the Winnipeg Fringe Festival this year. Tell us a little bit about your Fringe experience. Uh, How long have you been seeing Fringe shows? Is there anything that you look for in a particular show? Are there genres that you prefer? Well, I've been going um, on and off when I'm in town since um, 2006, and I don't think I've missed a year since 2013. And this is uh, a special year because it's the 30th anniversary. Mm -hmm. So what I look for is just a variety Well, I have to tell you, in the first three shows that I saw this year, 
I saw alcoholism, sexual abuse, divorce, mental illness, burnout, stress, heartbreak, depression, suicide, longing, unrequited love, abandonment, loneliness, and dementia. Those were just the first three shows. Oh, my goodness. Which meant that I really uh, made a concerted effort to then go to comedy. And I decided that um, everybody should go, every adult should go see a kid's play. So I wanted to support local So I picked a kid's play at Manitoba Theatre for Young People is the venue, and it's called Tales of uh, Foreign Lands and People. And the music is awesome. The story is written by an English teacher, and it was the perfect antidote to all that serious stuff that I saw the first three shows. Now, there were a couple that you really recommended that you would recommend to our listeners. Tell us about those, uh, those plays that you went to see. Well... Joe Job. The venue alone is terrific because it takes place in a coffee shop and it's about somebody who leaves the teaching profession because he just wants something where he can go home at night and not have to think and worry about kids and he wants to serve coffee. So that one was the first one I saw and it really set the tone for, I think, some really quality plays. Which venue does it play at? Fools and Horses Cafe is at the corner of Broadway and Edmonton. It seats 50 people, and you feel like you're really part of his job because of the atmosphere. And uh, what about the other one that you were mentioning earlier? The one that I found irresistible but very difficult was Trude on a Base Story. And it's about uh, lots of teachers writing and performing this year. Um, but this one is by a, a Manitoba teacher and a former uh, CBC radio announcer. And he was advised by his counselor to put into writing his entire life story and what happened to him. And in doing that, it became this play. So it's his life uh, based on a lie. Um, he was a high school student and he had an affair with his teacher, and he married her, and they were together for 12 years. And in that 12 years, he discovers uh, lies and betrayal, and he has a message for the audience, and he really welcomes teachers and principals and parents to attend, all caregivers, and he is so confident in his story as he's worked it through that he has a question and answer at the end because some people, wow, they they really are affected by his story. It's a chance to learn. Mm -hmm. It's just not about entertainment. For someone who maybe would be new to the Fringe Festival, what would you suggest? What are some tips that you have for someone who wants to try out the Fringe maybe for the first time? Variety. Go to a comedy. Go to improv. uh, Go check out Market Square. Go to some serious drama. Take in a monologue. Try to do one of everything if you can um, and not just do one type of play because um, the exposure to all kinds of things uh, really gives you a feel for the entire Fringe and the talent that's out there. Are there any other shows that you're planning on seeing before Fringe wraps up this weekend? Uh, Well, forget me not. Uh, Just because that man is wonderful and I've seen him every year. He he just is a marvelous storyteller, and he always takes, you know, pretty serious topics and makes them fun. And his sense of humor is just stellar. To read any of Heather's reviews on the Winnipeg Fringe Festival shows that she's seen or uh, some of the reviews written by other citizen journalists, 
You can visit the Community News Commons website at cncwpg.org and there will be all kinds of fringe reviews still coming in over the next little bit. So be sure to check those out and be sure to go and take in a few shows because there are so many, there's such a wide variety of shows that are going on and so many great performances. Go and and check out some great theatre. Heather, thank you so much again for joining me today and talking about uh, what you've seen at the Fringe Festival this year. Thank you. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening, and a big thank you to all of my guests for speaking with me today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU. And if you enjoyed today's show, or if there's a song you'd like to hear, or if you think that there's a local community event that we should feature on the program, please give us a call. We would love to hear your feedback. Our listener line is open 24-7, so you can just leave a message anytime for us. The number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also send an email at rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. And again, the phone number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for River City 360. Thank you again very much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.